Welcome to the Diversity Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jonathan Ember. We hope that you would just take a moment and listen and receive the Word of God. We know that one word from the Lord can change your life. And so we hope that this message will bless you and transform you in Jesus' name. We are continuing today the series of messages we've been in called The Desperate Housewives of the OT. I always like to know how you're going to react to that, because that is a weird title. Uh, if you came to church, you're like, what are we talking about, man? Are we talking about, like, E! Uh, entertainment right now? Like, what are we talking about? Um, if you didn't know this, like, you just probably haven't ever read your Bible, but the Bible is full of drama, okay? Because it's full of sinful people corrupted by our sin nature. And because of that, there are all types of circumstances that lead to all types of emotional baggage in people's lives. And it doesn't just happen in the women, it happens in the men too. And what we're discovering in this series is that we can actually identify with some of these women that we are talking about. And we can identify with our own emotional health and how it compares to theirs. And so we've been looking at a few examples, one kind of like a bad example of emotional unhealth. Last week, we looked at Jacobet. Moses' mom, and we learned an example of emotional health. Today, we're back to the drama side of things and emotional unhealth, all right? Today, we're going to be looking at Leah and Rachel, all right? These are wives of Abraham's grandson named Jacob. And I say wives because at this point in the culture, there, were, uh, there was polygamy happening, but I wanted just everybody to know it was a bad idea then, and it's still a bad idea now. All right, God never condoned it. He never celebrated polygamy. What he did celebrate and said was very good was when he created Eve for Adam, and he said, behold, this is very good, okay? And so I don't care how you try to justify it. That is not God's plan for your life, to have multiple spouses, all right? But you see this played out in this kind of story of Leah and, Jacob, or Leah and Rachel and their marriage to Jacob, and it starts... In their childhood, and what we're going to discover today is how they had the emotional response of pride and insecurity. And I think that these two things in our own relationships will cause a bunch of problems and a bunch of drama if we don't allow God to heal our insecurities and we don't allow God to heal our pride and how that manifests in our own life. And so let's pick up in the story in Genesis chapter 29. And we're going to be introduced to these two women and then their marriage to Jacob. And we're going to see how there's definitely a lot of pride and insecurity that's manifesting here. Genesis 29, 16 to 31. You can follow along with me on the screen. It says, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. It's very important for the rest of the story. Verse 17, Leah had weak eyes. But Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob, then, who just came to town, by the way, was in love with Rachel. I wonder why. The one with the beautiful figure and the lovely face, right, or whatever. So he was in love with Rachel and said, I will work for you seven years, he's talking to Laban, in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. So he says, stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But look at this. 
But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. That's where all the ladies say, oh, yeah, you guys get it. Yeah. Then Jacob said to Laban, give my wife, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to make love to her. All right. Uh, Some people evidently still wait to have sex until they're married. And when you're waiting seven years, I guarantee you say, give me my wife. I want to go and make love to her. All right. It's the way it was. All right. Verse 22. So check this out. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and Jacob made love to her. Now, I just want you to understand something. At this time in this culture, the bride would wear a veil. And so this is evening. This is in the marriage bed. He does not know that this is actually Leah that he is sleeping with. So look at the scripture. It goes on. It says, and Laban gave his servant Zilpha to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. Remember, he thought he was working for and marrying Rachel. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this that you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. You would have thought that that would have been agreed upon before the marriage bed. Come on, somebody. He says, finish this daughter's bridal week. Then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. Come on, this dad is working, man. It's crazy. So Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel. We'll learn about her here later on in the message as her attendant. Verse 30. Jacob made love to Rachel Also, and look at this, his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. How many of y'all know this is some drama we are reading about this morning? A ton of drama. And there's a lot of emotional responses here. And I want you to begin to even put yourself in the story and see how pride and insecurity can come up in your life through these same things that we're learning, how they came up in these two women's life. And so we're going to actually look at three things that contribute to pride and insecurity. And we're asking for God's grace to heal our hearts. Remember, Jesus doesn't want to just save us. He wants to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to heal our emotions and make them whole. And so we're going to ask him to do that as we learn about things that contribute to pride and insecurity. Number one, look at this, pretty simple, your looks. What is something that contributes to pride and insecurity? Your looks. I want you to understand, people are really shallow sometimes. And when I say people, I mean we are really shallow sometimes. Don't look at your neighbor and say, this is for you. I want you to examine your own heart today. Really shallow sometimes. God said it right. Man looks at the outward appearance while God looks at the heart. What is wild, though, about the outward stuff, it's many times that the outward stuff affects our heart the most. 
It's the stuff that we put our focus on, our attention on, the things of the natural man and the things that are just simply going to perish with our body. We put all sorts of effort and intense, you know, devotion towards trying to uh, make ourselves look good. And we take our identity in this and we don't spend as much time focusing on the inner man. And we don't spend as much time getting to know people beyond their outward appearance. Shout out to our small group curriculum right now when we're talking about race relations. A lot of times we're making prejudgments simply on the outward appearance. Now let's go back to the story and see how their physical appearance would have probably created some pride and insecurity for these two girls. Genesis 29, 17, back to our original text says, Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Imagine if you're Leah here. You're described in holy writ and holy text from God Almighty as the one with weak eyes. Y- y'all, y'all ain't getting me today. Basically, it's saying she was not that attractive. And specifically in comparison to her sister, Rachel, who is clearly described in the scripture of having a lovely figure and is beautiful. I want you to imagine Leah in this scenario. Jacob comes to town. It's the new kid on the block. And Leah's the older sister, all right? Her biological clock is ticking. Dude, do I have anybody that is with me today? I mean, I feel like I'm preaching to (laughs) nobody this morning. Her biological clock is ticking. This new guy comes to town. She's like, hey, I, I want Jacob, right? Leah's passed over and looked over and now... Jacob is paying attention to the younger sister who is clearly more beautiful and who's who's clearly the one who Jacob is putting his attention on. Can you imagine Leah's insecurity that would come up here? She's already described and clearly isn't as beautiful as her sister Rachel. And you see this even with the guy who's coming and paying attention to her sister rather than herself. I want you to imagine Rachel, who's thinking in this moment, my sister is the older one, but this guy chose me, the younger one. I want you to think about maybe the pride that would come up in her life in this scenario, that she actually is the one who's getting the attention, and she's the one somebody is willing to work seven years for and commit to, even beyond her sister, who should have had that right because she was the older sister. I want you to think about your own life and maybe your own looks and the way that you feel about yourself. I want you to know we're all kind of subject to either pride or insecurity. We're prone to either one of them and sometimes both of them in our own life. And many times that comes straight down to just our physical appearance and the way that we view ourselves. Maybe we look at ourselves as I'm not as pretty as so-and-so, and it creates an insecurity in our heart. Maybe it is the environment that you grew up in and your sister, your sibling got all the attention and you felt like people were passing over you all the time. Maybe it goes to even gifts and talents and how that might manifest. And so you have this insecurity. You think of yourself as too short or too thick, or too skinny or too dark or too light. Or I wish I would have had this color eyes versus that color eyes. Don't act like this stuff doesn't affect our life even today all comes back to just simply how we look. And so you 
are insecure because you don't see yourself as beautiful as somebody else. If this wasn't an issue in our society, the whole beauty industry would not be making all the money that they make. The Kardashians wouldn't be held to a high standard in our society where the youngest one is making billions of dollars on makeup products. Right? Our plastic surgery industry and all that goes along with that because somebody is so insecure because they don't have what they feel like they need to have. And so they want to feel like the older or the younger sister here and be beautiful and be wanted. And so you can see how this is manifesting and how it will even affect their relationships going forward. You could also see this in the pride maybe of Rachel. Right. And maybe you can agree and kind of connect to this because growing up and even now you think you're the stuff. You don't think that your poop stinks. Right. Like you look at yourself and you're like, man, I'm hot stuff. I'm everything and everybody wants me. And so you carry that into your other relationships and you can see whether it's insecurity or pride. If you do not let this stuff get checked by almighty God. And allow him to heal that part of your heart. This stuff will manifest and you'll either be too clingy or too cool. You want to know how relationships are destroyed where somebody is insecure and so they're clinging on to dear life to their person. And it suffocates them because they're looking for their identity in that person rather than finding that in God Almighty. Oh, you don't think that that will break up a relationship? Or... The too cool for school person, I'm just too hot. I got it all together. I don't need to do these dishes. I don't need to go work. You, you won the lottery when you found me. Now, people probably aren't as bold to say that, but trust me, in marriage counseling, I've seen it. And I'm like, man, they need to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God and do some dishes. Come on, somebody, right? But they think that there's stuff. Oh, look at what I bring to the table and all the work that I put in when I'm at work. And so when I come home, I need you to serve me. What? I thought this was a partnership. (laughs) Right? But just imagine what pride and what insecurity can do in your relationships. Maybe it's just a friendship. Instead of celebrating somebody else's win, you're hating on them because of your own insecurity. Oh, don't think that this doesn't happen all the time on your social media when you kind of sneak diss and kind of hate on them by scrolling through their posts instead of liking it because you don't want them to get more attention. And so your insecurity is coming off on other people and you see, I'm telling you, this will affect all of your relationships. I want to share with you a story that illustrates this. This is not a story from anybody that you guys would know. So don't try to fill in the blank with somebody in this church, okay? But I know of a couple where the wife had a lot of insecurity because of her weight and her looks. Um, She had multiple kids at this point, had picked up some pounds, and she just was not confident in the way that she looked. So she started to actually address this thing and lose weight and get into the gym and get into shape. And she ended up, after a while, finding that she was getting more attention and compliments from others. 
At this point, the husband wasn't doing his job of affirming her and loving her unconditionally, even though she had uh, lost weight, wasn't affirming her before or after that point. And so when she was getting these compliments, she let it get to her head. So she's dealing with both insecurity and pride in her life in two different scenarios. Well, once that pride came in, she let it get to her head, how she looked, the attention she was getting, and she ended up cheating on her husband and wrecking the family. I want you to understand that if this stuff doesn't get checked, and it can be simply just based on looks alone that this stuff is inside of you. If you don't go to God and ask God to examine your heart and to heal your heart, if you don't go to him to find your identity, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in him, this stuff can take root and create the worst things that we find in society. It can mess up your relationships. It can mess up your family. It can mess up all sorts of things. And so we have to go to God, whether we feel like we're the stuff or whether we feel like we need something else. God is the answer to both pride and insecurity. He's the answer. Our society is just so shallow. And you can see this in so many ways. And just this last week, um, I was shopping for a car, and I was just imagining myself in different scenarios and different cars. And it's funny how your brain just works. We're always trying to measure ourselves by, by what we get and how we look and all these things. And I was just thinking about this because this stuff will manifest in everything. And so it's like, okay, I can find a car that I like and I really enjoy and I can just be thankful to God that I have that car. But guess what? There's always another car. And I want you to understand how lust works and how all this pride and insecurity can feed into this stuff in your life. Guess what? Even with people, if you don't get this stuff checked in your heart, the Bible says the eyes of man are never satisfied. So if you're the person who takes all of the credit for your looks and you want to just stand on that and that alone, well, guess what? There's always somebody that looks better and is more gifted than you. And even if, let's say at the end of the day, they are perfect in their looks, well, guess what? People get tired of people's looks, even if they look great and they move on just to find another car, another model that's newer and different than what they have. And so then again, this is the way we play games. So we can either be satisfied in God and choose to find our identity in him, or we can play the games of pride and insecurity all day long. Let's be the people that find our identity in God. I was telling my daughter this morning, we always do a little devotion on the way to church, and she's beginning, please don't tell her this, by the way. You guys always tell on me when I talk to my daughter. Let's let this be between me and her. But she's deciding to wear makeup lately, okay? And so we were talking about pride and insecurity based on this story, and I wanted her to know, listen, you can be beautiful on the outside but ugly on the inside. How often are we putting all the effort into the one part of our body, our looks, our one part of our being, our looks, but we leave our soul and our spirit in decline? We look great here but our soul and our spiritual life is jacked up there. I said, Tavia, you need to focus on the two-thirds 
of who you are, your soul and your spirit, be beautiful there and in your body, and then you're going to be the whole package. Come on, somebody. We need people to work on the whole package, not just on the part that everybody sees. You could be ugly in your soul, or ugly in your soul, and it'll affect everything in your life, even though you might be pretty in your body. All right? But you see this with Leah and Rachel and the insecurity that just looks would have caused them. I want us to go to the next thing I want to examine that influences and contributes to pride and insecurity that you see in the story. It's their family of origin. I want you to think about the dad here. Man, this is wild. Leah and Rachel's dad, is clear, they're clearly being used by him to get what he wants. He's using them as pawns. Now, I want you to know this about fathers. Nina mentioned this even in worship. We get our identity from our dads. Take on his name. You know, what they speak into our life and things like that. It shapes a child. What they do and how they treat their children will shape their children's lives and will cause them either pride or insecurity for the rest of their life. All right, so if you're a parent in here, I need you to know you need to speak life over your kids, blessing over your kids. You don't need to look at that relationship with your children, that they're there for you. Come on, somebody, you are there for them. And you need to look at that relationship as something that God has given you to steward. Now, I'm thankful that God could come in and heal and bring in restoration, but I want you to know it is your responsibility, parent, to speak blessing over your kids, to call out greatness in them to bless them and speak life over them, and also to unconditionally correct them too. If you look at what he is doing here, he's leaving things unchecked, and he's clearly allowing them to experience more pride and insecurity in their lives. He's scheming. He's using them as pawns. Let's read about it in Genesis 29, 25 through 27. Let's go back to the text. When morning came, this is after he schemed and brought Leah to Jacob. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this that you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? By the way, what is so interesting in this, this speaks to our relationships with our kids. What is so interesting in in this is that Jacob, who was a deceiver, is now being deceived. So I want you to know whatever you sow, you're going to reap in life. Now, what's wild about this, too, his daughter Rachel is clearly attracted, and Leah, to a degree, is really attracted to somebody like their dad. Because before this scripture, you see Jacob as a deceiver when he actually tried to get the birthright and the birth blessing by acting like he was his brother Esau. So I want you to understand this, too, that the example you give your kids is what they're going to be looking for in a spouse, This is going to carry along with them the rest of their life. And so your responsibility as a parent is, again, to shape them in the things of God. So you see this happening, and so he's being deceived after he deceived. Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give you the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. He says, finish this daughter's bridal week. Then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. He's wheeling and dealing and scheming with his daughters. Now, I want you to think about how this reinforces insecurity in Leah and maybe even reinforces pride in Rachel. Let's think about Rachel for a moment. Her whole life, she's being viewed 
as the beautiful one. Her whole life, she is getting the attention. Her whole life, she is being told that she's great and greatly to be praised, right? Like, this is her experience. Now her dad, instead of correcting that and nipping that in the bud, is actually furthering that in his daughter's life by saying she's worth 14 years. When Leah, not only is she worth seven, I'm going to actually scheme to get her married because I don't think she could get married on her own. Imagine how Rachel is feeling having 14 years that somebody's working for for her. Yeah, you see what Jacob did for me? You see, you see what he said? It felt like just a few days. <laughs> felt just like a few days. He worked seven years for me, and it just felt like a few days. And then, because he wanted me so much, he worked another seven years. Can you imagine just that dad, instead of correcting that and nipping that in the bud, checking that pride at the door in his daughter, he's letting that go unchecked and letting this further, go further in her life. But then let's think about Leah. My dad had to trick somebody just to get them to marry me. Can you imagine the wound in her that this would cause? Can you imagine in the rest of their relationship, you see this play out. It's the looks and now what are some father wounds in their life. Now they're both looking to Jacob in ways with Rachel's pride and Leah's insecurity. And it's manifesting throughout their marriage. When Leah has four sons, she has four sons and Leah names every one of those four sons after her own insecurity in, their, in her relationship with Jacob. All four of them are named something that had to do with her being passed over and looked over and Jacob not loving her the same way that he loved Leah. A lot of this stuff goes back to the looks. A lot of it goes back to the father wounds and it continues on even through Jacob and that relationship simply because of these issues that are not checked in their life and healed in, your, in their life. I want you just to consider yourself for a moment. Maybe for you growing up in your own household, you never heard words of affirmation from your parents. Maybe you never felt like you were loved unconditionally. Maybe you were somebody who you felt like you were just looked over from your parents and they always gave preferential treatment to one of your siblings. And so you carry that insecurity. You're looking for validation. The way that you're even trying to present yourself is trying to get that stuff dealt with in your heart. Imagine how that just continues like it does for Leah. And then maybe you're like the Rachel in the scenario. Nobody ever told you you did anything wrong. Maybe you were champion because of your looks or your smarts or your accomplishments. And it made you feel some type of way that you could do no wrong. So you're carrying pride in your life, thinking that you're better than other people simply because your parents never told you the truth. <laughs> I was talking to a teacher recently who said that a mom told their son that he is the best at math in the nation. <laughs> they go to a prestigious school here, and this parent reinforces this pride in their kid that's going to be carried the rest of their life 
She basically lied to him because the teacher told me that there are other kids in the class that have better math scores than this kid. And this kid comes into class saying, I am the highest scoring child in fourth grade in math or third grade in math in the whole entire nation. And now the teacher's having to actually correct the child because the mom is setting up a lie that he's believing for the rest of his life. You don't think that this stuff matters? You don't, you don't think if you don't correct that stuff that it's not going to carry on in that child's life? I want you to see this. This goes back to why we need to find our identity in Christ. That we humble ourselves and view our life in light of God's word. That if we are insecure, that we see that we have a God who wants to actually give us a hope and a future. We don't need to take credit and we don't need to glory in things of the flesh. We need to come to God and say, God, heal this broken heart. If I have insecurities, heal it. If I have pride, heal it. I just want to come and see myself in light of you. Because if we don't, we're going to carry this stuff. It's going to affect our relationships like it does these two girls. Which leads us to the third and final thing that contributes to pride and insecurity. It's our circumstances in life. Genesis 29, 30, look at this. Jacob made love to Rachel also. Now he's married to both of them. And his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. Think about these circumstances. Leah finds herself now stuck in a marriage where she is not loved, where she is looked over. Just like her whole life, her entire existence being compared to her sister. And Jacob didn't clearly want her in the beginning, but was tricked into marrying her. Imagine the insecurity that would be in her mind being in that relationship. And then I want you to think about Rachel. Rachel continues to get preferential treatment. Rachel is the one who's wanted. She's loved by Jacob now in this marriage. More than her sister. By the way, I told you, polygamy's bad. So not only is Leah stuck in a marriage where she's not loved, she now is being compared to her sister still, as she was her whole life. And Jacob's looking past her because he loved Rachel more. Rachel's feeling like, yeah, this is my life. It's my man. And you see how this manifests, man. They begin to use whatever they can from this point on as leverage. When Leah has kids, she's using that as leverage. And she's, again, naming these kids after insecurity, hoping her husband's finally going to love her. And then Rachel is using her looks and using her status as the wanted wife, as a negotiation tool to get what she wants later on. Both of these circumstances create this pride and insecurity that goes unchecked in their life. But here's the beautiful thing about God and what we've been talking about in this entire series. No matter what circumstances we go through in life, God is still there to work on your heart in the process. He's still there to speak to you in the middle of that emotional woundedness in your life. And you see this as God You saw it in our main text. Let's go back to Genesis 29, 31. 
as you see the circumstances in their life, Leah is being looked over and not loved by her husband, Jacob. Rachel is getting the preferential treatment like she always had. And this is what God does in the middle of their pride and insecurity. Genesis 29, 31, it says, When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive. But Rachel remained childless. I want you to see the sovereignty of God here. God sees a woman who's being looked over. She's not loved. She's stuck in a marriage where she's not loved. And God sees her and intervenes in her life and gives her children and the ability to conceive four children at this point because God saw her insecurity and wanted to show her that she was loved by a God who sees her and sees her pain. Come on, that's, that's worthy of some praise. That means that when you find yourself in a situation where you're feeling insecure, I want you to know no matter how bad others treat you, God can always fill in the gaps. I don't know how you've been passed over. I don't know how others view you, but I know of a God who loves you and sees you in your woundedness and he cares about your broken heart and he cares about your insecurities and he will intervene in those things to prove his love and his security towards you. And then you see how important this was for Rachel and her pride. Rachel, her whole life, has been getting preferential treatment, using her looks to get what she wants, using her gifts to get what she wants, and now she's at a place where she's barren. And no matter how beautiful she is, her beauty cannot produce a child in her life. No matter how much she was loved and favored by Jacob, that love could not produce a child in Rachel's life. So Rachel is stuck in this Situation of infertility for years, and she has to see her sister now get the preferential treatment because she has four sons, one after another, after another, after another, and Rachel has to watch all that take place. I want you guys to know this. This is why we shouldn't play the game of comparison in the church or outside the church. Listen, everybody's script will be flipped at some point in their life. Oh, you might be comparing and contrasting that person who has something that you wish you had. Well, guess what? Rachel, her whole life, had all of these things, but the script was flipped. Now Leah's getting the things and getting the favor, and Rachel's having to sit back and watch. Can I tell you, when it comes to people who are rich and they're living only to gain the world. The scripture says, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? I want you to know they can gain everything in this life and be fully favored in this life. But guess what? Even the next, the script will be flipped. And they're going to have to face God on judgment day. And guess what? If they haven't put their faith in Jesus, the script is flipped in a place called hell. All right, we don't need to play the game of comparison. At some point in my life, I'm going to have something that somebody else wishes they had. And guess what? In another time, they're going to have something that I wish I had. We're all going to be challenged with this. And that's why we have to trust in the sovereignty of God. 
that he's in control and he's working in all of our situations, what he wants to work out in our situation. So could you imagine for Rachel what this is like for her, waiting and praying and seeking in agony about having a child because she can't have one. This goes back to this. No matter how much you're gifted, no matter how much your giftedness gets you, God is still in control. Oh, you think you're the stuff? Well, watch God just pull off his hand from you for a moment. And let's see how much you're the stuff. Oh, you put all your confidence in the flesh? And what that can get you, your looks, your talents, your gifts, your network, your negotiation skills, your own plans and purposes? Oh, watch God lift off his hand and see where you're going to be. Rachel's stuck right here. And this is exactly where she needs to be. She goes through years of infertility and her pride is checked at the door finally. It's actually, it's actually something that she needs in this life if she's going to grow. I want to share this as we've been very vulnerable with you in our adoption journey. One of the greatest things for my pride has been going through the infertility and the adoption process that my wife and I have been on now for about eight and a half, nine years. When she had her hysterectomy all those years ago, we decided that we were going to adopt. We just didn't know when. And I'm telling you, if we would have gotten a baby along the way, I've been processing this lately in my life. If we would have got a baby early on, we would have got a miracle early on. There would have been a part of my heart that would have thought it was my faith, my network, my ability that had something to do with it. You guys have heard, we even had a couple in the church that were wanting to give their baby to us, and we walked with them through that process, and there might have been a part of my heart, I probably wouldn't have ever said it, but as I've been examining my heart through this process of eight years of waiting, recently I've just thought, Maybe I would have actually given credit to my own works and, my, and the church and the things that I've worked so hard for. Maybe I would have taken credit for that adoption. But as the Lord has had us waiting and he's closed door after door after door, one thing I know is that whenever this thing happens, there's going to be one person that gets all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. It ain't going to be me. Because we've tried and we've done everything we could do in our own power. And this is simply the sovereignty of God. He will put you in a situation where you're powerless so that you can do nothing but humble yourself and fall on your face and say, this is God and not me. This is God and not me. I've come to a place that I don't think I would have ever been unless we went through the waiting like we've waited. I've surrendered to the sovereignty of God, recognizing I'm completely powerless in this. A lot of times we take credit for things when God was behind the scenes the whole time giving you what you had. And sometimes when he withholds and takes it from you, now you realize, wait, God was in control even though I thought I was. Rachel's stuck right here in her infertility. She's stuck right here in this process and journeying through this process of infertility. Now, what is her response? Let's look here in Genesis 30, verses 1 through 3, as we begin to almost wrap up the message. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, 
she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Before I move on, I want you to examine what is that thing in your life that you're saying, give me or I don't want to keep on living. Where that is, if it's not God, is an idol in your life. And you need to examine that thing because that thing will never satisfy you. It will never fulfill you. It will never completely complete you like God will. So if you find yourself at a place where you're like, give me this or I'll die, you find the idol in your life if that thing isn't God. And so she says this, and Jacob responds like many husbands do, and I've been guilty of this in my own life. Jacob became angry with her and said, am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? Now, Jacob's preaching the truth here, but it's probably not time to say that to your wife when she's in emotional distress. Come on, young husbands, I need you to get this a lot sooner than I did, all right? But I'm in an emotional journey of health too, okay? He was preaching the truth. She just didn't need to hear that probably in that way in that moment. All right, but I can, I, I can see then her own wheels turning. Instead of submitting that to God in this scenario... She then said, here is Bilhah. Remember the servant that she got from her dad? Here's Bilhah, my servant. Sleep with her so that she can bear children for me. And I too can build a family through her. How, how did that work out for Sarah and Hagar in that situation? This is their grandparents. If you don't get emotional health dealt with in your life, you're going to pass that on to your kids and to their kids and to their kids. But when you begin to follow Jesus and you begin to live out in real health a relationship with Jesus and your kids, guess what? You're going to pass that on to their kids and to their kids and to their kids, right? You see this influence. It didn't work out for Sarah and Abraham, and it wasn't going to work out for them. Why? It was a fruit of their flesh. It was continued pride in Rachel's life that needed to be submitted to a holy God. I find it interesting that often the last resort for pride and insecurity is God, when it should be the first resort. Why is it that we wait finally to submit to God and we have to go through all of this stuff to get it through our thick skulls that our pride and our ways are not working for us? How long do we have to stay insecure and clingy and codependent before we realize our identity is found in God and Him alone? I don't know what you've been through. I don't know where this message speaks to you. I just know we all deal with pride or insecurity or both. And God wants to heal those things in your life today. If you would take a moment as we go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit, what is he saying to your heart and into your story today? What is the Lord speaking to you? We never like to end a service without giving you an opportunity to make Christ your Lord and Savior. Before he begins to heal your heart, he wants to bring healing to your spirit and your relationship with him. Your sins, just like the people in the Old Testament, is proof that we needed a Savior. Just like Jacob and Rachel and Leah and Laban, 
all were broken because of their sin and their ways that were wayward from God, we are too. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glorious standard of God. We all needed Jesus, his son, to heal us and save us from our sin. So if you're in this place and you need to be healed spiritually, you need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Today, you can put your faith there, just like those who went public with their faith and got baptized. So before we move on and pray for others who might need emotional healing, we want to pray for you if that's you. If you need to get right with God today through his son, Jesus, would you just lift up your hand as an act of faith and say, that's me, preacher. Hands up all over this place. You're done living for yourself and in your own pride, your own ways before God. If you raise your hand, you can put it down. Anybody else? Hallelujah. If that's you, would you just say, God, come into my life. Just speak this out right with where you are, between you and God. If you raise your hand, say, God, come into my life. I repent of my sin. I turn and I believe in your son, Jesus, that he died on the cross for me and he rose again from the dead. I call him right now my Lord and my Savior. Hallelujah. That's you. Just continue to talk to the Lord and share with him your own heart. He wants to hear from you. And for the rest of us in here today, if this message spoke to an area of pride and insecurity in your life, today we can go to Jesus and get healing. If you relate to Leah and your story, or you relate to Rachel and her story, or you relate as a combination of both, come on, we can go to Jesus who heals the brokenhearted. He can heal us from our insecurity and the way that that is affecting our relationships. And he can heal us from our pride and how that affects our relationships as well. So if you need prayer over your insecurity or your pride or a combination of both, would you just lift up your hand and say, Preacher, you're speaking to me in so many ways. Come on, who else? Who else? With your hand lifted up in this house before you and God. We want to see God just touch your heart. If you raise your hand, you can put it down. This is your moment between him and you. I'm going to say a prayer. And when I say this prayer at the end, if you need prayer, we're going to have some altar workers up here. We're going to have space for you to get alone with God. And just like in first service, people are going to get healed and touched at this place in their life that is affecting everything because they're not identifying mostly as a child of God. So, Father, I pray right now, Lord, every single person that needs your healing touch, that they wouldn't let this moment pass them by. They would allow you, Lord God, to work in their heart, healing, deliverance, Father God, from that pride and insecurity that is affecting their relationships, affecting their mind even today. You see the Leahs of the world. You see the Rachels, and you want to intervene. And so let this be a moment, God, where you intervene in their life in Jesus' name. Come on, if that's you, you need to come forward. Come on down. We want to pray with you. If you want to get alone, you can just come and find a space where you and God can talk. We just want to make sure that this is a moment for you to just get some stuff dealt with in your heart. Come on down. Come on. Come on. This is your moment. 